Welcome to the Wealthy Circle Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into this year's finalists and winners from our wealthmanagement.com industry awards. These interviews cover the challenges, innovations, and trends in the wealth management industry and the individuals working to help advisors better help their clients. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Wealthies Podcast. I'm David Armstrong, editor of wealthmanagement.com, and today we are speaking to Tony Leal, the president of InvestNet Money Guide. Tony, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks so much for having me. As you know, this is the podcast where we speak to the finalists of our wealthmanagement.com awards. So first of all, congratulations, InvestNet perennial, a finalist in several categories. I think from the get-go, from our very first year, InvestNet's always been a pretty strong presence there at the awards and no less with your part of InvestNet Money Guide. Well, thank you so much. We're, we're very honored and look, I feel the uh, pressure of uh, once being added to InvestNet to continue that streak going forward. So we really do appreciate the recognition. Yeah, this is great. InvestNet acquired uh, Money Guide, I think in 2019, is that accurate? Yep. It's, yep. We're two years into this now. Give us just a little bit of sense of where Money Guide kind of sits in the InvestNet ecosystem. I'll tell you, it's evolved so much in the past two years. And, and that's the reason it's kind of nice that we're having this time today together, because really there, there was a vision that we had two years ago. None of us had the vision of COVID, obviously. That has really kind of fast forwarded a lot of, as you're aware, a lot of the technology and putting more things out to the consumers and stuff. And so really just in the past, I would say eight, eight months with Bill's vision on the intel intelligent financial life and a lot of work that Danny Fava is doing in embedded finance, both of those are really spurred, in my opinion, because of this revolution that we're having in, in the digital space that unfortunately COVID kind of brought us to. There's just so much that we had in mind, but then we've altered and it's been a ton of fun for planning in the space that I'm in just because of uh, how important it is. And it's even gained in importance through this time that we're all going through. Yeah. I mean, InvestNet, of course, always the, the TAMP, always kind of the chassis for investment management that a lot of financial advisors use. And then the acquisition of Money Guide mirrors, I think, the overall industries move away from seeing the value of a financial advisor as a portfolio manager and towards a financial advisor as a financial planner. T totally agree. You know, what's funny is for years and years, we've been, I've been at Money Guide since we started like 21, 22 years ago. And firms forever and advice, everybody felt passionate about planning. And then when you would go look under the hood at the various firms and, and RA firms, that they had a half a person that spent time on it. it was, everybody talked about his importance that always wasn't then carried through. But you, you can just see what a difference it is. Normally, like, what was it? during the Great Recession, planning became important again, right? Mm -hmm. When people are making good returns, sometimes they lose focus on, is it really important to plan because I'm making good returns? But during the recession, obviously, then people can't count on good returns. And then they start looking at their plan again. What I think is different between that and where we are today is today, more and more of the advisor's clients 
are having real-time access with the plan themselves, which is a new paradigm. Mm-hmm. And I believe that then has the consumer of uh, much more engaged and they'll stay more engaged because now they're able to touch it themselves at home, whatever time they want to touch it. And that to me is the biggest paradigm shift. Advisors in the past were really nervous about having their clients have access to their plan. Some might consider it devaluing their value proposition. And I think they've seen now the light that it really, it it adds more and more value because the advisor's there to help take them through that journey and help them achieve those goals. But the technology is at a point where the client can interact with it and they should be able to interact with it. And at the end of the day, we've always felt passionate. The plan is really, it's really the client's plan. It's not the advisor's plan, right? It's my goals Mm -hmm. and the advisor's there to help me understand and interpret and achieve those goals. The technology is just there for the interaction and keeping me engaged in that conversation. For those who haven't been on the Money Guide platform, tell me if I'm wrong. Was this the, the vision from the very beginning? There are a lot of ways that you as the client can kind of play around with the plan, so to speak, right? I mean, you can adjust the age that you retire and see where the money falls out. You can adjust the amounts that you want to spend on a vacation or a new house or whatever it might be. Right. Dozens of categories. And you can just dial back and forth those options and see the the plan essentially sort of change before your eyes, correct? It is yes, absolutely correct. And and from the beginning, we felt very passionate about giving those interactions to the advisor's clients. And so the system was always built with that in mind it's it's a 22 year success maybe it took us maybe that, that long before kind of the advisory space has felt comfortable with that that's really that engagement to allow me and we call it the play zone to be able to play with my plan i i meet my daughter's new boyfriend they're going to get married and i was paying for the wedding and then became a little disenchanted. So I want to cut back a little on the wedding (laughs) or I see the grades of my daughter in college and know that maybe I'm going to need to add another two years (laughs) to her college plan. Things like that are just real time events that happen in people's lives and being able to just go online and interact or on your phone and being able to see the ever ebb and tide and change of your feelings and what you want to do is just so important. And it's what customers have been doing in other areas their whole lives. Why not allow them to plan their future the same way? Yeah, for sure. And it speaks to this idea, I think that you were alluding to before that financial advisors used to be okay, here's your plan. Take an hour and a half to go over it. There it is, client. And then walk away without, I mean, these plans are dynamic things. Life's a dynamic thing. Financial plans are dynamic things. Uh, They should change as you go. They sure should. And one of the pet peeves I've had over time is you can many times do, like if I was trying to save for a, a car, well, I can track my progress towards that goal. Mm-hmm. Because that goal is most likely, let's pretend, a year and a half to two years out at the most. And we see a lot of the younger generation and stuff using goals in those ways. Where 
I find it a little bit more challenging is if you're looking 15 and 20 years in the future and 30 for your retirement plan and things like that, that that's a much different perspective. That should be more real time where you access because you're going to keep changing your ideas of what that retirement vision actually is. There's We offer progress towards goals, tracking where we can kind of show you how you're progressing and show you the history. I believe that makes a lot of sense for short-term goals, but for long-term, so many things are changing. I really just care about how am I looking today because I want to change that goal picture this afternoon and what that goal picture looked like six months ago or two years ago, I really don't care that much about, mm-hmm. right? Because I had a different vision. I care about today's vision. Learning the right way to kind of solution for that has always been important to us. And that's the reason we focus so much on blocks to give these short, quick interactions for the appropriate situation you are in your life and what you're focused on. And Long-term financial planning has its place. It's just where are you in the spectrum? When it looks at the assets that will be applied to these goals, is it just using sort of standard Monte Carlo type probabilities to suggest this is the portfolio, this is how it should perform over time? It Well, it does many things. It's always, that's too simple, right? So we have everything from the traditional average return to doing brute force Monte Carlo to showing things like bad timing, to showing what happened if the Great Recession were to happen today. I Mm. shouldn't say that out loud. Mm -hmm. It's liable to happen. We have all sorts of bad timing and back tests and all these other ways of basically stressing your system so that the clients can get a feel for, let's call it the volatility of a long-term financial plan. That's just what it is, right? Instead, the volatility is a lot of people in in our space sometimes traditionally think of the volatility being focused on the portfolio, but the, the volatility is, that's a portion, don't get me wrong, but a huge part of the volatility is what, what are taxes going to be three years from now? Mm. What, what's going to happen to a state, right? In Biden's administration, mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about where that's going to go. What are what are your volatility of the goals? Two years ago, people were not moving away from their homes and living in beaches and resort type areas. COVID comes along and I can tell you my employee base is now living all over the place and living in places they always wanted to live in. Well, that was not in their plan two years ago. So that to me, there's so much additional volatility than just focusing on the portfolio. When you look at advisors using this tool, are most of them making the most of it? How do advisors approach this? You know, a lot of things that some people in the the wealth tech space say is that advisors are using maybe 30% of the the possibilities that they have at their their fingertips. How How is it for you? That's a really good one. That one hurts me a lot of times deep in my heart. From the positive perspective, for example, we've seen we're we're doing over 2 million financial plans a quarter, which is up from previous years. By just the sheer activity, 
Mm-hmm. We notice from our call center and things like that that we're getting questions in areas where you can tell it's they're newbies, so to speak, to feature set. Mm-hmm. Just because maybe they only did maybe five or seven plans for their clients two years ago, and now they're now eighty percent of their clients are getting a financial plan. So we have seen through this two-year activity that we have a higher take-up rate with the feature sets that are in Money God. Okay. And trust me, there's nothing more that's depressing to, to create this really cool feature. And the to be on those, and I'll get on support calls every now and then and listen to people say, if you only had a feature that could help X, and you're like, oh my God, I've had that for two years. <laughs> Let me show it to you. And they're like, oh, this is great. But at the end of the day, that's our fault, right? At the end of the day, it's our objective. And that's the reason Money God has had these generational releases, which we will be doing one next year, where if you're not careful, you get feature bloat, right? You just got thousands of features and there's no way anybody can find them all. The one of the things we continuously do is how do we simplify and put more behind the scenes and have the system from an artificial intelligence, let's say, perspective, let it rise the information that's really relevant to this client's plan and not make it so there's 73 hyperlinks and you got to figure out where to go. And, and that's one of the really exciting things that InvestNet brought to us is through their analytics team where we're able to, if the advisors sign up, we're able to pump all this data to this analytics engine where that can then come back and give insights and, and recommendation engine on things, the next best action that you know we can do with this client. So that's how we've been trying to fight that challenge mm-hmm. because you're exactly right. It, traditionally, that's always been there that's kind of how we've countered it over the 20 years is every couple of years, you just kind of have to step back and how do you make this a more seamless story and take, it's gotta be more intuitive. And the other thing, I know I'm babbling on about this, but the, it's just such an important aspect. The other part that just has been phenomenal with the past two years is that you have to simplify the feature set and make it more intuitive because now you have consumers directly interacting with it, which has always been our dream. Mm-hmm. They're not, do- an advisor may do 15, 20 plans a week. A client is only touching their plan once every quarter, let's say. Yeah. So it better darn well be intuitive and easy to work with. Yeah, there's two, that brings up two points. One, your thoughts on, on where you are in this journey, but when you open up the portal, so to speak, for the client, where they can go in there and start playing around with a bunch of numbers and dials and 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 kind of seeing their options and setting their own agendas there, or at least looking at the possibilities. The amount of data you must be getting from that is amazing. And where are you in terms of like packaging that up and and giving it to the advisor and letting the advisor get some intelligence or have some direction out of that data? Sure. Well, first of all, can I hit you with some stats? Yeah, please. We've had a 44% increase in client portal usage through the the COVID period, 39% increase in new client portal users. So that just keeps driving home how just important it is to be focused in in that client interaction. And from a Yodely, from an aggregation Yodely standpoint, we've had a 96% increase in new client aggregation. Wow. That to me has been just 
as old as I get, you you think that new dogs, you know, you're, you're looking for people to embrace something that you've been waiting on for so long. These statistics show it. Uh, the other thing that we found really exciting is that when an advisor does a plan for a client, they average around two and a half to three goals for per household. Okay. When a client does the goals themselves, they average seven and a half. Wow. And that just makes so much more sense. I, as a client, know my goals. They're my goals. Yeah. But if an advisor is doing it, uh, some of them just want to get to, well, let's figure out what your basic retirement expense is and move forward. And that's really, you're missing it. Right. Yeah. Getting to your, your point and your question about the packaging of the data and just how many advisors now are being so active planning, we offer an analytics tool that's part of money guide now that allows the advisor to see all sorts of opportunities by the information they've gathered from creating the client plans everything from pretty rudimentary things which is how many people are retiring and this year or whatever that have qualified plans just the opportunities that you would expect but some of the other cool things that we've embedded into this analytics tool is just letting the advisor look at their whole book of business and look for planning trends and opportunities everything from for example life insurance or various other needs that the clients have that they're now able to see in this consolidated dashboard and that's something that that money guide could have never done on its own that's not our specialty but investnet has a division that's completely focused and an analytics type of engine. And so we feed that information to this analytics engine, which then is able to provide all these insights back to the advisor, even to the point we have an add-on feature that they can use called Plan Pulse that will automatically update and run the plans of all the, the households within that advisor's book of business on, I, I believe it's a monthly basis. No, it's a weekly basis. It runs their plans every week. So that way they can kind of see which plans are falling out of the confidence zone. And if there's time to take action or proactively reach out to their, to their clients. So it's yeah. been a real, real focus for us in the past year. When the, and I think I know how you'll answer this question, but I want to pose it anyway. When the robo-advisor came around, everyone thought threat to the financial advisor, they've come for portfolio management. The, the robots have come for portfolio management. And that's my value as an advisor. So how dare they? This is going to put me out of business. That didn't happen clearly. But also financial planning, right, is maybe the next domino to fall to the robots. And, and you guys are there on that cusp. Is this is there a danger that eventually everything gets kind of taken away from the advisor and and done by the algorithm, including financial planning, and the advisor becomes just sort of a, a call center service oriented individual who kind of helps clients press the right buttons, but is no longer really doing what advisors traditionally have done, which is that deep relationship? Their, their advisors are, are needed to provide that direction that knowledge base and sometimes we'll call it they, they sherpa me through sometimes you cheerlead me through the decision making process that i need to make mm -hmm. that we don't see changing and our firms don't see that what we do see changing dramatically is 
putting more and more tools in the consumer's hands so that they can, for example, put their goals in and get some quick response back to long-term projections if I do X and Y and Z, what's the impact? But what we're seeing is by having this more client direct interaction, the advisor's role increases, not decreases, because they're calling the advisor then saying, hey, I've worked with my plan. I need help in achieving X, Y, and Z. That's happening more and more now. And the client is now more engaged, but it is not diminishing the value of the advisor. We think it's increasing it dramatically because they still need to go get it done. That they And they people sometimes can, like I've been trying to diet and I put it off and things like that. And that's the advisor's there, right, to help motivate me and get me on track to make the decisions I need to make. And I don't believe the robo or digital can do that. But believe it's really the other way around. I think the digital experience is going to create more and more opportunity for the advisory space than ever before. Danny Fava with InvestNet has done a lot with embedded finance. And that's, to be honest with you, in my 20 some years, this is probably the most exciting part of, of where planning is going to evolve. Explain that to me. Planning is going to start showing up in like the robos is a very traditional space. But what Danny Bob has been doing with embedded finance is planning and financial services going to non-traditional spaces. American Express announced that credit card holders, they're doing a pilot with financial planning software. Mm-hmm. You're going to see uh, financial planning show up in non-traditional spaces, which to me, obviously, in the financial planning world, means we get to touch more and more consumers. Mm-hmm. Those consumers ultimately need to go to somebody for advice. Yeah, And I think it's going to be a great, great drive for the financial advisors. But I mean, I would have never thought that non-traditional firms would now see the value of financial planning. Now, I'm using the term financial planning. Obviously, it's very light, Mm. more like what Money God has for blocks. Mm -hmm. They know they need to educate and get the clients thinking about these things. What, eight or 10 years ago, it was the retirement space. Retirement providers on their website needed to provide some financial advice. That, That went on for years. So that that came close, right? That had to touch consumers directly, right? Where they had their qualified plans, but this is taking it to a whole new level. And I believe it is probably the biggest growth area for the next three to five years from a lot of research that InvestNet has done in that space. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think that's both terrifying to some advisors maybe, because we've always heard about, well, when the one of the big giant tech firms rolls into the space, it's game over. But also, I think to your point, what you're seeing, it sounds like, is that it should be a hopeful sign for advisors because a lot of those more digitized, non-endemic, so to speak, sources of embedded finance might be a way for clients to realize that they need an advisor. Correct. I, I think it's going to drive, it just is, that there's a small set of do-it-yourselfers that will always exist in our world. Mm-hmm. But the vast, vast majority of people 
need guidance, need help, need encouragement, need explanation. Unfortunately, there's a lot of our financial services uh, product line and things like that. They're not the simplest in the world. The amount of time I spend asking, uh, especially people, nobody wants to be near me at a dinner party when we used to be able to have them. But when you ask people what they own, they, ha- they say, well, I have a qualified plan. I'm not sure what, and I'm like, is it a SARSEP? Is it a 401k, 403b? And they look at me like I'm speaking a different language. There's, there's the financial competency of a lot of our consumer base needs to be raised up. And these tools can help, but in no way can they provide the service that a financial advisor can provide them. I think it's an incredible opportunity, and but you have to be a forward-thinking advisor where you embrace that digital experience instead of thinking that your whole value is that digital experience. Yeah, well, that's great. One more quick question. Take me back to the beginning 20 years ago, and, and I don't want to you know, belabor the point, but when you and Bob Curtis started this company, where were you guys before that? How did you get into the space? And what was, what did it look like 20 years ago? We became friends. He had a business before PyTac, i.e. Money Guide, where he sold, he had technology to help sell annuities in small banks and savings and loans. A mutual friend introduced us. He loved, Bob has always loved tech. I'm a developer at heart. And so we met some 20 some odd years ago. I worked for him, I ran a tech team and he ended up selling that business. And again, our passion was creating software that advisors would use to help them interact with their clients. And at that time, sell annuities. We then morphed it into financial planning. And, and so Bob was very passionate about that. And I was fortunate enough that he let me come along for the ride. And we started with five people and, and Harold Davinsky, if you're familiar with Harold mm-hmm. and Dina, sure. they were instrumental. These were early financial planners. Absolutely. Pioneers in the, in the industry. Yep. yep. So they gave us uh, guidance and give me guidance to this day. It's just incredibly rewarding to think about where we've been. Now, we were, we were a 20-some year overnight success, so to speak. It, it was a, a slow-growing journey, but loved every bit of it. it. It just was and is still this day. I'm so fortunate that InvestNet allows me to stay here and keep doing what I've always been passionate about doing. Well, that's fantastic. Tony, thanks very much and congratulations on all the success. We look forward to seeing what you guys cook up in the future. Well, thank you very much. It was a real pleasure and look forward to not seeing you virtually in the future. (laughs) We'll do it. We'll be live at some point. All right. Look forward to it. Thanks again. Thank you. And you have been listening to The Wealthiest Podcast. This is David Armstrong. Thanks for listening. This content has been made for information and educational purposes only. The views and opinions represent the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of wealthmanagement.com.